Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. Today, we're continuing this conversation we started last week about freedom, and I am aware that the 4th of July is past us. Okay, that was last week, but we're not talking about that kind of freedom. We're not talking about like America and patriotism and any of that kind of stuff, but rather in this series, we're talking about the freedom that we can find in Jesus. That freedom is actually an essential component to our faith, and uh, if you weren't with us last week, I'll give you a quick recap of where we've been. Uh, We started out just by saying that no matter what you think about freedom or no matter what comes to your mind when you think of freedom, uh, there's two things that I think are true of all of us, and it's this, that we all think freedom is good, right? Nobody is like, give me less freedom. Please take my freedoms away. None of us feel that way because freedom is good, and freedom is something that we all really want. We all really want to be able to make our own decisions and to not have someone tell us what to do. We all want to call our own shots and do our own thing and live the life that we want along the way. And and so on the front side of this conversation that we're having, uh, last week we acknowledged that sometimes faith can feel like it's opposed to all of that. If you're like me and maybe you grew up in church, uh, sometimes it can feel like or we can pick up along the way this notion that faith is all about keeping up with God's rules and restrictions and thou shalt and thou shalt nots. And so we get in our mind that faith isn't about freedom at all, that faith feels very restrictive. Like God is just the cosmic killjoy telling us all the things that we can't do. And, and unfortunately, many Christians live like this. Many of us can believe this along the way. But last week, we arrived at the conclusion that that's not true at all, but that actually at the heart of our faith is freedom, that faith is about freedom. And specifically, it's about freedom from that prove yourself, live up to the rules kind of mentality or that kind of way of being. That faith in Jesus is about having freedom from the trap of trying to constantly prove yourself or be good enough for God because Jesus says that you already are. Because of what he's done, he's made you accepted by God and made you in his image. And so when it comes to those rules, and those regulations and those instructions that God gives us, we don't follow those for God's approval. We're not trying to earn points with God, but rather, because we've already received his approval, we follow those because we want to honor him and we want to live the best kind of life possible. So that was last week, and today we're going to continue looking at this idea of our faith and freedom and what does it look like to live life the way that God truly designed it to work. And for where we're headed today, I want to ask you a question have you ever done something to try to get someone to like you? The answer is yes, right? At least if you're a human with a pulse in the world. Or if you went through middle school, right? You've probably done something to try to get someone to like you along the way. Uh, Maybe you've had this experience. Maybe you have a friend who was really into like a TV show or maybe an album or, or some music and they wanted to share it with you. So they were saying like, hey, did you catch the latest episode of whatever it was? Like maybe Stranger Things. I know that's hot right now. Did you see the latest episode of Stranger Things, the last season of it? And maybe you're like, yeah, at least if you're like me, sometimes you're like, yeah. And then in your mind, you're like, no, right? Like, (laughs) I haven't seen it yet. I plan to watch it, but I want to be cool. I want to be liked. I'm like, yeah. And you can get away with that as long as it all hovers on the surface, right? But if they're like, hey, like, what about that moment in episode three? Then you're like, ah, (laughs) it was great. Or I mean, terrible. I mean, like, you have to, like, fake it and try and figure it out, right? Because all of us can fall into that act where we try to get somebody to like us. Or maybe uh, there was a group of people 
uh, that you really wanted to like you. This happens a lot in middle school and in high school, but some of us never grow out of it, do we? And, and because we wanted these people to like us, we started to dress a certain way, or, or we started to listen to certain types of music, or, or even talk in a certain way. And, and maybe even to this day, like your sense of style or who you are is shaped by this group of people that you desperately wanted to receive the approval from. Um, I was thinking about this this week, and I realized I became an approval addict at a very early age. Uh, it was in second grade that I liked a girl for the first time. And so I don't know if I was just an early bloomer or if it's what's in the milk or whatever, but uh, for some reason, there's this girl in second grade, and I was like, she's amazing, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what this feeling is, but I know that I need to follow it. And so uh, I had this group of friends. We creatively called ourselves the Spin the Night Group because we spent the night at each other's houses. And uh, in that group, I had a friend named Aaron who was really into movies and, and music, kind of like I am. And uh, I had the courage one time as we were spending the night at each other's houses, I had the courage to say to Aaron, hey, I, I like this girl. And, and here's the thing, I don't know anything about liking girls or what that means to like impress this girl, but I really want her to like me too. And Aaron, being the movie buff that he is and being overly confident for a second grader, was like, I know what you gotta do. He's like, if you want a girl to like you, you've got to be like those guys in Greece. <laughs> yeah, like that Greece. He's like Danny Zuko. That's what you've got to do. You've got to be like Danny Zuko. Danny Zuko got all the ladies. So second grade me is like, it seems solid, right? It checks out. So the next day, I'm like, mom, we got to go to JCPenney. And so we go to JCPenney, and I bought myself some black skinny jeans before skinny jeans were cool. Okay, this is in the 90s. Like, I got the tightest, blackest jeans that I could find, and little second grade me put that on. Uh, my mom would not buy me a leather jacket <laughs> as a second grader, uh, so I just wore my Hanes white shirt and tucked it in, and I think I had black shoes too. My mom also would not buy me, like, any hair grease or pomade or anything like that. So what I would do when I got to school is I would go to the bathroom right away and I would just put as much water as I could possibly put. I had hair back in those days and so I like to slick it back with as much water as possible so I kind of looked like it. And little second grade me was out there at recess crooning by the slide just hoping this girl would pay attention to me and uh, it's a sad story, it didn't work out. But <laughs> my point is that maybe you haven't gone that far, okay? But all of us have done something along the way to try to get the approval of somebody else, haven't we? Sometimes maybe it's even something you look back on and you can laugh about or you feel silly over uh, because all of us can be approval addicts from time to time. And what I want to do today is to let this weekend at Story Church be kind of like a recovery center for all of us approval addicts where we can admit that we have a problem. In fact, in just a little bit, I'm going to run through a series of questions to help you diagnose how you're doing with this. It's going to be bad news, just fair warning. But uh, there's going to be good news, too, because with the rest of our time, we're actually going to talk about how we can actually overcome that need or that desperate desire that we have to feel approval from others. And, and trying to get people to like us is normal, right? So it's not like you really have a sickness if you feel this way. It's normal for us to want to be liked, and, and most of us put as much energy as we possibly can in being as cool as we possibly can to as many people as we possibly can. And we've talked about this before, but this desire is really reinforced in our culture. I mean, especially with social media and those little computers that we keep in our pockets, uh, our phones and, and those platforms that we're on make it easier than ever to fall into this approval addiction and the cycle of constantly comparing ourselves to other. And whether it's like the Facebook like button or the Instagram heart, or I think Twitter had a star back in the day, but now they've changed it, or other platforms you can like vote up things, all of us can fall into that trap where we compare ourselves to others and where we identify our value with the response that we receive. We may not even know that we're doing it, 
But when you post something, it's like, oh my gosh, I got all those comments. Like your brain actually is like, this is good. I need to do more of it. And we can fall into this cycle of seeking approval and what it can do in our lives, whether it's on social media or in second grade out at recess, when we fall into this trap of seeking approval from others, we live life like we have an applause meter over our head all the time. Have you ever seen uh, one of these things? I've seen them at student ministry camps a lot because we're like trying to hype up the crowd. Maybe we need it for like morning worship to do this a little bit, but you get the crowd to make as much noise as possible and if it's really loud, it like swings over to the amazing side and if it's really quiet, then it's boring. Uh, Some of us live our lives like that, right? And in every interaction, we're constantly like checking the scale of like, was I amazing in that moment or was I just pretty good, right? Does my outfit look incredible or is it boring? right? Did I miss it this time? And so in every interaction, we can go from uh, connection with each person that we interact with in a given day. We can navigate through life with this goal that at the end of our days, we would have more amazing than we had boring, right? That we would get more approval and that we would avoid as much disapproval as possible. And I think we all know that feeling of seeking approval from others. And if you know that feeling, then you know that it can be absolutely exhausting, You know that nothing can wear you out more, that working to try to get people to like you can be a full-time job. And the thing about this job is that no matter how good you are at it, we never feel completely satisfied that we're finished, do we? Because even if you do get the approval that you're looking for, tomorrow's a new day, and you're tired from all that effort you put in today, but then tomorrow's coming, and you gotta do it again and again and again. And even more exhausting than just trying to get people's approval is recognizing that feeling that it's never gonna be enough. Right? Maybe you, uh, you had a coach, or maybe it's your boss, or just that group of people that whenever you interact with, you feel like, man, I'm just not enough for them. Like, no matter what I do, I, I don't measure up. It doesn't matter how good of a job you do, or how well you performed, or how hard you try to fit in. Uh, it's always going to be disappointing, and, and that can feel inevitable, and it can wear us down. And even in those moments where we feel like we got the approval that we wanted, then we have to maintain it, don't we? Like, like finally, I had that moment where I felt accepted, but then I got to stay there, and it just takes so much work and so much effort, and it's kind of depressing to think about in those terms, and that's why we're going to talk about it today, because this impulse in us, this sometimes misplaced desire for the approval of others, it can keep us from the life that God wants for us, because God, as we said last week, he wants us to be free, that our faith is actually all about freedom, but if freedom is the ability to act without restriction, without something holding us back, then working for the approval of others, it actually means that we're living restricted by the expectations that others put on us, that that we're living controlled by whatever, whoever it is, thinks of us. We're living controlled by their approval. And so real quick, to make sure nobody counts themselves out of today's conversation, we're going to do a little diagnostic test, okay, to see if you're an approval addict like me. I'll go rapid fire. I'll give you some examples along the way. You don't have to keep score, but be honest with yourself as we run through this. So question one, have you ever laid awake at night thinking about how to get a person to like you? Right, maybe you weren't dreaming of looking like Danny Zuko, but uh, have you ever like just tried to get somebody to be impressed with you or or to think well of you or, or to notice you? Maybe you had a big presentation at work and you really wanted to measure up to the boss's expectations, and so you just stressed out about it all night long. Uh, maybe it's your mother-in-law, right? And the holidays are coming up, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> like, like, I know that I'm not good enough, but I just got to, like, maybe I can make her smile this year, right? <laughs> like, maybe that's your goal. Maybe for you, it's somebody who's disapproved of you, and, and it still plays and plays in your head. Maybe it was even a long time ago, right? Maybe it was that coach in high school that didn't think you were good enough, 
and you got cut from the team and like if you're honest you're still kind of stewing in it sometimes and when it gets quiet at night and you actually put your phone away and you're like trying to go to bed that's what drifts into your mind if that's you you might be an approval addict but here's another check is your happiness or your contentment dependent upon the approval of somebody else but like are you only happy if you feel like you're receiving approval from somebody else. And you can't be happy if you feel unnoticed or unrecognized. Uh, if you're honest, are you in a situation where you're codependent upon someone doing something to make you happy? And specifically that something is them approving of you. It is them making you feel good about you. If so, you might be an approval addict. Uh, do you feel valued or significant even when others don't recognize your incredible, incredible performance or outstanding achievements. Like, you've got the skills, you've got the looks, okay, and you know it, but is it enough for you if other people don't know it? But, like, is it enough for you if you're not receiving that recognition, or is it something that bugs you and pushes you and drives you to achieve more and accomplish more until somebody gives you the approval that you crave? Another one, I like this phrase. Uh, do you experience pain or love hunger? <laughs> when the approval that was once given to you is now withdrawn or missing from your life. So in this situation, like that person used to talk to you, right? They used to call you, they used to text you, maybe you even used to hang out, maybe they even gave you gifts along the way, but they don't anymore, and it bothers you, right? You're, you're confused, and it's just kind of thrown off your equilibrium. It's a hurtful situation. That's what an addiction to approval can do to us, if you feel that way. Kind of a different way of asking the same thing, do you feel inferiority or insecurity over the loss of someone's approval? Like, do you just feel unworthy or unaccepted, like just kind of low and feel insignificant because somebody isn't giving you their time or isn't giving you their attention? This next one is a little involved, so track with me here. Uh, number six, are you jealous that the approval that you once had, you no longer have, and it's now given to somebody else? Okay, so this is kind of like the last two, but worse, because you had approval, you lost the approval, but then that person gave that same approval to somebody else, and it sparks that feeling of jealousy inside of you. I think if you have a sibling, you probably felt this at some point, right? Uh, or many of us feel this even as we get older, because as we get older, at some point, like we tip over the other side of the scale, and we're not getting stronger anymore. We're not getting better looking anymore. You all look wonderful, by the way, but, but like, we're kind of on that side of the things and then we look at the generation coming up behind us and suddenly they're getting the opportunities that we used to have and it messes with us, right? It's hard to see them getting the attention or maybe the approval that we once had and that we once identified with. Uh, so we've got two more here. Uh, do you give too much space in your head to another person, right? We can all be guilty of this one too, especially if somebody says something mean to you, if somebody criticizes you, if you're like me, you can just sit on that and just stew on it. Uh, most of us hear criticism for a whole lot longer than we hear compliments. And, and so if that's you, maybe you've let somebody live rent-free in your head for way too long, and it's shaping your attitude or maybe even your sense of yourself. But our last gut check question, uh, I think maybe the most important, and it's where we're gonna spend the rest of our time uh, this morning, and it's this question. Are you willing to ignore the approval of God in pursuit of the approval of others? Because some of us are not and cannot focus on God and our relationship with him because we are so busy trying to get the approval of other people around us. Some of us can't even 
spend time to fathom what God possibly thinks about us because we're spending so much time trying to get the attention of the people around us. And so again, we can all be a little sick with approval addiction, can't we? Uh, hopefully there's no eight out of eights here today. If you are, you're welcome, okay? But all of us probably somewhere along the way have some room to grow. And so the, with the rest of our time today, we're gonna go on a little recovery project about what it looks like to live free from this addiction to the approval of others. And, and last time we met, we talked about how what we really want is to be free and that God actually wants that for us too. But what do we do if the fight for approval, if our desire to be approved by others keeps us from feeling anything but free? The good news is we're not alone in this. In fact, people have struggled with this as long as there have been people. And uh, before we jump into kind of how we can navigate this or how we can overcome this desire to be approved by others, I want to acknowledge that some approval seeking actually should be approved. That, that some approval seeking is actually a good thing. It's actually okay. Or in other words, that the desire that's in us to live up to the approval of some people is actually a good God-given thing. Like if you're a student or you're a child, that desire that you have to make your parents proud, that's a good desire. Uh, the desire to be approved by God, that's a good desire to feel that approval from your heavenly father. We should all probably want to be at least a little approved by the police, right? <laughs> like, if you're totally on the disapproval side, you may be in trouble. So, like, seeking some approval can be a good thing, and it's not bad for us to long for the approval of the right people, but rather the tension lies in us knowing who the right people to listen to are. The tension lies in knowing who to long for the approval of, and there's wisdom from the book of Proverbs that actually highlights this tension. Uh, the author writes this, he said, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That idea of the fear of man is that, that intensity we can have behind wanting others to approve of us. A and what they're saying when they say it's a snare is that it's a trap, that you can get stuck in that cycle like we've talked about. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord, who whoever gets their sense of approval from God is actually safe. So having that approval drive, wanting approval, it's not bad. And in fact, it's something that's God-given. But the question is, where are you going to go for your sense of approval? And, and to get an example of how we can do this well, we're going to jump back into the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the region of Galatia. We know it as the Book of Galatians. It's found in our Bible. Uh, but Paul wrote this letter to this group of Christians in the first century who were really wrestling through a tension-filled moment. Uh, this church, Galatia is actually a region in Rome. It's not just like one city, but it's several different communities. And uh, in this community, the church was a mixture of Jewish Christians, people who had a Jewish faith originally, and then they put their faith in Jesus. And along with them, they brought a lot of their Jewish traditions and laws and, and practices. Uh, so that was one group that was in the Galatian church. Then there was a group of Gentile Christians or non-Jewish Christians, and they didn't know anything about those laws, or if they did know them, they didn't practice them, they didn't want to practice them, and, and so there was this tension just right out of the gate, because some of the Jewish Christians were saying, yeah, we still need to keep those laws, because that's what God gave us through Abraham and, and the prophets and, and all that, like, we need to observe that, but then the Gentiles were like, no, 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 that, Jesus did something new, and, and so we don't need to be like you guys, we need to follow Jesus into this new thing, and, and so Paul spoke into that tension, and, and Paul, as we looked at last week, tried to explain to them that God wants us to be free, that we can actually be free from the proving yourself kind of religion, the trying to measure up kind of religion, and rather that Jesus saved us and set us free. 
But after Paul had spent some time with these Christians in Galatia, he went away, and after he left, there was this tension that still existed in the church because after he went away, some other teachers came in, and they were teachers who said, no, 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 no. Actually, that Paul guy has it all wrong. You need to follow the Jewish law. You need to be like the Jewish people. And so they came in, and they started teaching something different. Paul's message was Jesus saved you, and you're free from the pressure of trying to keep the law to be right with God. But then these other guys come around, and they're like, not so fast. Actually, you have to keep those Jewish commands too, or else God's not okay with you. And that made Paul very upset, which makes sense, right? Have you ever tried building something, and then somebody comes along right in the middle of it and knocks it all down? So two days ago, I was uh, playing with magnet tiles with my three-year-old daughter, and we built this super cool house, and uh, I was really impressed with like my ability, our ability, but my ability to build this thing. And uh, then I was like, hey, I gotta like step out for a second. And I walked away and I remember I came back to the room and my daughter was just standing there and she goes, Dada, I knocked it down. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you did. Cause there's just tiles everywhere. And I felt that, right? I was like, that was my creation, it's destroyed. Paul felt that a lot more because this was the church that he was building, right? He's like, I'm trying to build something here. I'm trying to help people understand the message of Jesus and what it looks like to actually live a life of freedom that's found in him. And then other teachers came along and, and they messed it all up. So he's like, man, this teaching I'm trying to give came from Jesus himself, but these other people are messing with it. And so in this moment, Paul had a decision to make, right? He had to decide whose approval was going to matter the most. Did he let the people just keep going on their way because they're his friends, right? We don't think about this when we hear the Galatians. It's just like this nameless, faceless first century group. But for Paul, they were people, just like your people to me, right? Paul was their pastor in a sense. He started this church. He helped lead them. He knew their names. He knew their stories. And so these were his friends. And was he going to really confront them and make their lives even more confusing and even more uncomfortable? Or was he going to live for the approval of God? and recognize that he had been given this message, that he had a responsibility along the way. Did he want people to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what Jesus came to do, or did he just want to keep them liking him? He had to make the choice, and so he decides to write a letter, and here's what Paul writes at the very beginning of his letter. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. See, Paul doesn't hold back, right? That's kind of blunt. He's just like, I, like I'm astonished with you guys. You, you kind of feel him like nagging a little bit. Like, I was with you for years. I, I taught you all this and I went away for just a little bit and you forgot all of it? Like, are you kidding me? And so Paul's going after it. And, and then he goes on and he says something that's really important for us. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people but of God. And if pleasing people were my goal, then I would not be Christ's servant. That last line's a pretty loaded line, isn't it? If pleasing people were my goal, then I would not be Christ's servant. That means that there can be a tension that exists. That means for all of us approval addicts in the room today, if our primary motivation is to receive the approval of people, we may be missing out on what it really means to follow Jesus. So the stakes are high. And Paul, basically, when he says this, is setting the ex expectation for these first century Galatian Christians. And he says, hey, I'm probably going to make you mad with what I say next as I set the record straight, but I'm not here for your approval. Right? I, I don't need that from you. And, and that's actually a really big choice for Paul to make, because the truth is Paul didn't need any more enemies. Like Paul, if you read his story as it's recorded through scripture, 
he wasn't a super popular guy, especially after becoming a Christian. Uh, he had the entire Roman government after him. They would like travel around and, and try and catch him and try and stop him from what he was doing. He had Jewish religious leaders who were out to get him because they thought he was getting it wrong too. There were Jewish Christian leaders who thought Paul was getting it all wrong. Uh, he would go to communities and he would have rocks thrown at him. He would be imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. Like He did not have the easiest life. And so if anyone had an excuse to lean into the approval of people, it was Paul, right? He needed some more friends. He needed some more cheerleaders, but Paul wasn't interested in building a team. Paul was interested in making sure the message of Jesus got out to as many people as possible. And so he writes as he does to these Christians in Galatia, not to win people over, but to make sure the message of Jesus wasn't lost. And so he took a risk and he jeopardized his relationship, again, with people that he really knew, people that he had real relationship with. He risked hurting their feelings by telling them the truth because the message of Jesus was on the line. And that message is that freedom from sin can happen without the burden of people having to make their relationship with God right through a to-do list. Uh, that people could actually truly be free. And that freedom was so important that Paul believed he didn't have to live for the approval of these people because he had received approval from his heavenly father. And so Paul wrote these words to make clear what his intention was. That Paul wasn't motivated by the approval of others because Paul knew that he had received the approval of God. But maybe you hear those words that Paul says, and you think, man, that seems kind of harsh, right? Like, he really went after them, and uh, like, Paul kind of sounds grumpy, doesn't he? <laughs> like, the way he's correcting them. And, and maybe you think, like, so does this, like, approval from God mean that I get a hall pass to be a jerk to people around me? Like, I can just throw truth bombs at people and, and beat them up with how right I am and how wrong they are? Paul didn't see it like that. In, in fact, as Paul is sharing this kind of gentle rebuke or, or correction to the people, Remember, these are people that he knows and that he loves. These are people that matter to him. And so Paul knew that going after God's approval and living from God's approval means behaving like God does. And God is always full of love and acceptance and belonging. And so Paul's harshness towards these other teachers wasn't because he was self-righteous and powered up, but rather it's because they were shrinking God down and misrepresenting God in a way that made God look smaller than he really is. So if anything, going after or living from the approval of God should actually make our behavior towards others better, not worse. It should make us more respectful and more loving towards others. Or to say it differently, going after the approval of God doesn't mean that we have to lose the respect of other people. And isn't that what pushes us into that approval addiction so often? We think that people won't like us or they won't look up to us, they won't accept us or respect us if we don't seek their approval. But there's a different way that we can live. And I think this is tricky uh, for sometimes because well-intentioned Jesus followers can really get this wrong, right? Sometimes, especially in our cultural climate, we can all be tempted to drift back into that rule-following, to-do list, religious way of acting where we think that we have it all figured out, right? We think we're right and on the right side of things, and that can lead us into self-righteousness where we look at others who we think are getting it wrong, and we're quick to just tell them the truth, because it's the truth, and the truth sets them free, and so we use the truth like a weapon, and we end up hurting people along the way, and that's so far from the heart of Jesus. Like, too often, if we're on the wrong side of this, our conduct and our speech and our lack of love can actually build walls between Jesus and the people who need him, rather than building bridges between Jesus and the people who need him. But I believe it's possible that we can be people who live from the approval of God, 
and still have the respect of the people around us. In fact, I think if we're really living from the approval of God, we'll be the type of people that naturally get the respect of the people around us. Because I think it's possible for this to be true of Story Church, to be true of Jesus followers all around the country and all around the world. I think that people should be envious of how we treat one another, even if they're skeptical of what we believe. Right? People should look at Jesus followers, and, and they may say, like, people in this community, I, I guarantee there are people in Peru, Indiana, who are like, yeah, I don't know what I think about Jesus. That whole resurrection thing, like, guys, I took freshman biology, and I know that's not how it works, okay? So I don't know what you guys are doing on Sundays, but, like, I'm skeptical of all that. But those very same people could be people who say, but I love the way that you guys treat your family members, right? But I love the way you guys show up in the community, but I love the way you serve people in need. I love the way that you're good employees at work, right? I love the way that you live out these values of the kingdom of God. So I believe that it's possible for us, if we're living from the approval of God, to actually gain the respect of people around us, even if they're skeptical of the things that we believe. But what Paul is saying, basically, as it relates to this need for approval that we all have, is that there's a difference between caring about something and about being controlled by it. There's a difference between caring about something and being controlled by it, because Paul did care about the approval of these people. Again, they were his friends, and he didn't want to lose influence with them. He had led many of them to Jesus. He was helping them grow and develop their faith, even at an early stage, and uh, so he cared about having influence with them, but not so much that he was controlled by their approval of him. He cared about having influence, but there's a difference between caring about something and being controlled by it, and that small difference is the thing that kept Paul from being controlled by whether or not the people approved of him. Because Paul knew what he really wanted and what the people of Galatia really wanted was freedom. And that freedom can never be found in waiting for the right person to approve of you. Because freedom is actually found in recognizing that your heavenly father already does. Freedom is found in living from God's approval, not for the approval of others. Or here's the point today that we're actually free to make God's approval our first priority. We're free to start there every day with an understanding of what God thinks about you, about the identity that he has for you. And that identity is the thing that we were singing about earlier, that you are, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you're going to do, you are a loved child of God, invited in to receive his gift of salvation and to follow him because you're approved by him, not so that you're approved by him. And now here's the thing. I know that's easier to hear than it is to do. So as we wrap up today, uh, I just want to run through a couple of ways that we can actually uh, see what it looks like to be controlled by this approval addiction and, and how we can actually allow ourselves to be free from it along the way. Because remember, living for the approval of others, it's not just about what we do but it's also about why we do what we do, and both of those things matter. So do you remember that proverb that I shared earlier? We'll put it on the screen again. It says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. There's something that this verse reveals to us, and that's that often living as an approval addict, uh, it's often actually motivated by fear. That the thing that's under the thing, uh, whether it's like, your pursuit of other people liking you or, or the way that you look or, or whatever it may be, that underneath that, our drive for approval can actually be driven by fear. And, and fear is really tricky because it can show up 
in really subtle ways in our lives. Like for some of us, maybe you work a lot, right? Like you are the first in the office and you are the last to leave. You are constantly taking on new projects. People could, if they're like being really honest with you, say like, hey, you're kind of a workaholic, right? You're always going after it. You outwork everybody else. And maybe for you, the script that's running in your mind is I can't let people think I'm lazy. Right? I've got to show that I'm a competent worker. Those aren't bad things, right? It's not bad to not be lazy and it's not bad to be competent, but maybe you're being driven by this fear that you actually don't have what it takes, right? Have you ever stopped to think, why do you work as much as you do? Or, or maybe you've drifted into overspending, right? Because you don't just want to have clothes, you want to have the clothes. You don't want to just drive a car, but you got to drive the car. And so you buy things that you know you can't afford. Your porch is littered with cardboard boxes from Amazon, right? Because you just keep hitting that buy now button and it feels good in the moment. But have you ever stopped to ask like, why do I do that? What am I looking for? Why do I have to have the best stuff? Why do I have to keep up with that Instagram kitchen that I saw? What's driving me? It might be fear, right? Fear that you don't measure up. Fear that you don't have enough. Maybe you're an oversharer. Right? And, and like when you get going, like I'm a professional oversharer because I have a microphone, right? But, but maybe for you, like you can just talk and talk and talk about yourself and, and you want everybody to know about your accomplishments or the amazing things that you're doing. Maybe it's even your family, right? Like you're really proud of your family. So you talk about your family all the time. And that's again, not bad in and of itself, but have you ever stopped to ask, why do you do that? It might just be fear, fear that you're not significant or fear that you don't matter as much as you want to matter. See, fear is a tricky thing and it can sneak in, but behind all these subtle habits that we can fall into that actually keep us from freedom, there's fear. There's that message that we can fall into that says, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I don't matter enough. And those are things that are directly countered by who your Heavenly Father says that you are. Your Heavenly Father says that you are absolutely enough, no matter what you've done before you did a thing. You are enough for God you don't have enough, God has more than enough for you. You don't matter, you don't know how much you matter to God. And so starting with our identity from his approval frees us from seeking that approval from other things and other places. Our drive for approval can be a trap, right? Remember that verse says that the fear of man is a snare. And we've talked about that, how we can get stuck on it like a hamster wheel and you just run around and around and around, but you never seem to ever get anywhere. That's not the life that God wants for you. And God is better than that. So here's what we need to remember. If we want to be free from this approval addiction, if we want to be free from the hamster wheel of chasing after the approval of others, we have to understand that God has love, does love, and accepts us no matter what. So we don't have to work for that. We don't have to work to get God to like us or pay attention to us, but living from that approval actually frees us to honor God with our lives. It's kind of a tricky thing, right? Because we often get that backwards. And we think, if I honor God, then God will approve of me. But the truth is, God already approves of you. And when you receive that identity that you are approved by God, it's the thing that can free you to actually honor God, open-heartedly, open-handedly, with a life and a faith that's marked by freedom. So no matter what we do, God doesn't change the way he sees us, but there are things that God wants us to do. And we discover those when we start with his approval of us that we are already accepted. See, knowing that we're already accepted actually makes it possible for us to live in a way that honors God because we don't have to strive for that approval from others. We can know what we've already received from him. And Paul actually writes about this 
a little later in that letter to the church at Galatia. He instructs them in this way. He says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. And man, isn't it true? We can get caught up in that trap of looking for approval from others and ignoring our own conduct, ignoring the state of our own heart, ignoring our own relationship with God. And what Paul is essentially saying here is like, hey, you don't have to do that. If you understand how approved of you already are, then you can focus on your own work. You can focus on your own growth. You can focus on your own development, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You can focus on what God is doing in and through you, and in that way, be free. Because living for God's, or from God's approval means that you are freely accepted, and in your freedom, then you can live in a way that honors God. But it happens when we live from God's approval rather than living for other people's approval. Or maybe another way to say that is this, that you don't need others to give to you what is God's to give. You don't need others to give to you what only God can give to you. And only God can give you that sense of who you are. Only God can give you that sense of purpose and meaning in your life. Only God can help you figure out like that giftedness that he put in you and what it looks like to live out. So you don't need other people's approve you because the God who made you already accepts you. And he wants to help you discover what it looks like to live life and live it to the full. And no matter what you do, his feelings for you don't change. And what that means for you and me today, us approval addicts who are in recovery, it means that we're free to make God's approval our first priority. That God's approval can be the first word that shapes how we navigate this life. And can you imagine what it would be like if we actually did this? Right? Can you imagine how much less stress you would have? How much less tired you would be? I mean, how much less you would fake it and how much less worried you would be if you actually believed that your heavenly father fully accepts you and from that acceptance you can live. I think it sounds great. And that's what Paul wanted for the Galatians. And I think it's what God wants from all of us today for us to know that God accepts us and then to live in a way as if that approval is really all that matters. That living for that audience of one is really what matters. So let me pray for you to that end. God, this can be so easy uh, for us to fall into. I mean, again, it's just in the culture that we live in that we constantly compare ourselves to others, that we constantly seek the approval of others. We can easily fall into kind of a codependency on other people. Uh, But God, I just pray today as we sang about and as we've talked about that you would set us free from that and that we could be people who start with your approval of us. We could be people who understand that you love us no matter what we do, that we don't have to do anything to earn it, that we couldn't if we tried because it's already given to us freely. And from that perspective, then God, help us to discover what it looks like to live lives that honor you. Help us to discover our own work that we can do and set us free from constantly comparing ourselves from others. God, may Story Church be a group of Jesus followers who start there and who live such compelling lives that a watching world leans in and doesn't lean away. That people in this community who are skeptical of what we believe would be inspired and motivated by the way that we treat them and the way that we treat one another. And God, may all of that happen in and through your powerful name. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.